Truth and Transcendence. Brought to you by Yes, You Now with Catherine Llewellyn. Truth and Transcendence, Episode 24. The COVID regime. Shall we talk about it? So the COVID, by the COVID regime, what I mean is the cocktail of mitigation measures that have been put in place around the globe in response to the COVID-19 virus, which I'm not sure exactly when it first appeared. I think it was at some point in 2019, possibly earlier. Uh, But the mitigation measures began in earnest in March of 2020, as I understand it. Uh, There may may have been uh, mass measures before that that I'm not aware of in other parts of the world. So this particular, um, I'm calling it a regime because these measures have been imposed upon populations by governments worldwide, as opposed to um, put out as as advice. And again, some people might argue and say that they haven't been imposed, but but in fact, they have been in a number of ways. So we've had this particular situation for the last couple of years. And so where does my question come? Shall we talk about it? So in my opinion, anything that we're told not to talk about or not to question is something that we should talk about and we should question, purely because the act of being told not to is an act of censoring free thinking. And as you know, I'm a fan of free thinking. I believe in it. And I think it is a saving grace of humanity that we have the capacity for free thinking. And also it's the way that we make progress. So even if only because we've been told not to think about it and talk about it in a free thinking style, to me is a good enough reason on its own to talk about it. But that's just me. I have a a very particular personality and a set of biases in that direction. And I'm aware that not everybody is like that. Not everybody has that particular stance or position which says, tell me not to question something and I will be more likely to question it. I appreciate that for some people that's not the case. For some people, they, they they find it comforting to be told, you don't need to worry about this, just follow the guidelines. And that is something they're very happy with. But I'm not one of those people. So acknowledging that, that I've got that particular bias around questioning that which I'm told to believe or told to comply with, so what for everybody else? Well, it is an elephant in the room. It it has been extremely disruptive. We've had economies closed down. We've had lifestyles affected. And there's been a great deal of disruption. And when disruption is ignored or not talked about, it's more likely to have a more negative effect psychologically as well as practically. And there are and have been practical consequences to this. And again, I'm not a finance expert, uh, 
But I think it's not not difficult to see that when supply chains are closed down and when economies are closed down, there's going to be a negative knock-on effect. And for many individuals, they've had to close their businesses or they've gone bust. People have lost a lot practically as a result of these mitigation measures. Now, I know some people will argue that that is less important than the potential loss of life from the virus. And I'm not here to argue that point. All I'm saying here is that some of the practical consequences cannot really be ignored. And when we try to ignore them, that is debilitating to the human spirit. That That is equivalent to somebody who suffers abuse of some kind, keeping quiet about it, not talking about it, and perhaps even trying to convince themselves it's not taking place. So again, I've used an emotive word there, which is the word abuse. Again, I'm not implying that that's what's taken place here. But what I'm saying is we have victims of the situation. And the victim state, if you like, uh, the, the state where we feel we are at the mercy of circumstances is a state from which we have to try to climb out. Because if we don't, we get trapped in that victim state and it undermines us psychologically. It's bad for us to remain in that state. And in a situation like this, people have to talk about it. Because if we don't talk about it, we can get stuck in the circumstances that we are experiencing as as damaging. On top of that, we have opinions and we have feelings. And when we don't examine those, when we don't examine significant experiences, that in itself is potentially dangerous. And the reason for that is that because we have a consciousness and because we have a sense of our individual identity as well as tribal and collective identity, what that what comes with that is, if you like, um, in the owner's manual, it says in order to use our consciousness, in order to be effective in the world, part of what we need to do is to process the experiences that we have in our lives. And any experiences that we don't process can then potentially create an energetic drain on our system or a psychological drain on our system or both. Now, part of the human um, makeup is that when we experience significant trauma, for example, sometimes, particularly when we're terribly young, sometimes our protective mechanism kicks in and packages away that trauma and we literally forget about it and we continue to manage our lives effectively. Now that works for very young children who are not yet old enough to process and deal with those traumatic experiences and it works in situations where the difficult experience or the uh, experience which is experienced as in some way damaging or traumatic, is short-lived. It doesn't work for adults 
who are fully formed adults and it doesn't work for extensive times of difficulty that extend over a significant period of time. So, for example, anyone who has suffered as a result of the mitigation measures over this last couple of years, that is an extended period of experiencing oneself in the victim position and literally pretending that's not the case or trying to suppress any experiences around that is not healthy. It doesn't work. People in in that place must talk about it. Now, what that also means is that the people who are caring for those people or caring about them, or the people who are running the businesses where those people work, or running the businesses where those people are now going to be fired because they aren't going to take the jab, for example, the people in that position, our leaders, also need to understand and appreciate that those people have to process those negative experiences for themselves. And they need the space to do that and they need to talk about it. So what that then means is that our leaders also need to talk about it because they need to be in a position of understanding their own experiences, positive and negative, or possibly neutral around it. Because if they don't understand their own experiences and haven't processed those, they're not in a position to understand and support their people. So it's a very complex, multi-layered scenario where the one thing that is not advisable is suppressing and shutting up about our experience. Now, if we add to this the fact that in an almost unprecedented way, this particular subject has been very much controlled in the media and in in government uh, bulletins and communications. What I mean by that is that the prevalent message in those particular platforms has been the mitigation measures are correct. Everybody must comply. If you don't comply, you are selfish, unkind, and so on. You want to kill grandma. Now, any any communication that's been put forward on social media that questions that or that comes up with an alternate point of view is then either deplatformed or censored or described as misinformation. So, again, I'm not here to say that those alternative points of view are more or less correct than the mainstream points of view. What I am saying is there's been an imbalance in in the range of ideas that I have been publicly discussed and explored. Now, what that means is that if there's an individual who is in that victim place or who for some reason is unhappy with what's going on for whatever reason, they find themselves in an incredibly lonely place. It becomes very difficult for them to feel safe, to explore their own experience, to actually trust their own experience. Equally, the people who 
do agree with everything that's taking place and who do support the mitigation measures and, and believe in them and think they're a good thing, for them as well, it's difficult to talk about their actual experience because they're going to come across people who don't feel the same way. And I think we've all seen the kind of ranting and explosion of distress that can take place over this couple of years. And a lot of that has been an expression of people who feel they don't have the space or the permission to think what they think for themselves, feel what they feel for themselves, talk about it, express it and be heard. And anyone who's had children knows that if if you if one of your children wants to communicate about something and you don't ever, ever listen to them, there's going to be problems and possibly things will be broken and there will be tears. You know, we all as humans require space to feel, think, express and be heard. And that's something that's been missing to a significant extent in this last couple of years, which is very, very unfortunate because that's happened on top of the fact that there there has been a, a novel virus, which, as I understand it from my friends who've had it, is not nice, very unpleasant experience. And it is true that people have died from it or and some have died with it and people have died from it. So, you know, it is it is nasty and that's a scary thing. Wouldn't it be great if in response to that scary manifestation, we had somehow as a global community found ways of openly discussing our response to that, how we feel about it, what we want to do about it and so forth. So it is a a terrible shame that we haven't been able to speak freely during that period. I'm talking about, you know, collectively and in, in the public domain. However, I would like to acknowledge the fact that there are people who can actually have those dialogues within themselves. I have someone very close to me who is within that category. This person is an introvert, a very sociable introvert, but an introvert nonetheless, who has over the years done an awful lot of personal work around understanding um, ego, understanding patterns, understanding and recognising their own uh, flaws and failings and, and, and so on in such a way that they can dialogue internally about whatever they need to. Uh, like everybody else, they also need human connection and so on, and they, and they have human connection. But th- this particular person did their own research, had their own internal discussion and dialogue, decided what they thought about what's going on, and, you know, found their own path. And that person has complete equanimity and is settled and has not experienced themselves as a victim. However, the capacity and the ability to do that is really quite rare. You might be someone else who's capable of doing that, but I'm, I'm saying to you, it is relatively rare for someone to be able to do that entirely without dialogue with 
other people on the topic. And the person I'm talking about chose not to dialogue with other people because they just didn't want the hassle of, of, of dealing with other people's distress and confusion and so on and so forth. They just wanted to do their own, do their own thing around it and, you know, respect to them for that. But for most of us, in order to process some of the very difficult experiences that people have had in these last couple of years, they need to talk about it. They need to talk to other people and be heard and hear other people as well. And that has been very, very difficult for a lot of people. I think another thing which is very important to say now is this idea that unthinking obedience is not good for the human spirit. It's a kind of slavery of the mind. And as we know, everything starts with our consciousness. When our mind is enslaved, our whole life is coloured by that. And to me, that's that's a horrifying thing. That's that's worse than a slavery of the body or um, an imprisonment of the body. The slavery of the mind imbues everything else. So whilst obedience to a particular suggestion, maybe there's nothing wrong with the obedience, but unthinking obedience and just literally doing as you're told, particularly in a very important area, such as the health of one's family, is not healthy. And unfortunately, there has been a great deal of that. I think I may be wrong. You know, it could be if we if we did a poll of everybody on the planet, it might turn out that 95% of people say, no, 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 no. I am, um, you know, reflected and researched and had my own thoughts and this and the other. And, but actually... I've spoken to thousands of people over this last couple of years and most of them have said to me, you know what, I'm just complying because it's easier or I'm just complying because I'm, you know, I'm frightened and I want someone else to make the decision or because otherwise I'll be fired or otherwise my children won't be allowed to go to school. And then, of course, there have been many people who have really reflected and considered as well. But I think my point here in this particular episode is to underline the importance of talking about these very challenging situations and experiences in such a way that we reach a place of freedom in our own experience of our relationship with ourselves and with our lives, because that way we are in a position to make choices. And when we can make choices, we can be of use to ourselves and to our loved ones and to our communities and to the world at large. So yes, I think we do need to talk about it. And if you are doing that, then I think that's great. But when I say talk about it, I don't mean rant and rave and uh, <laughs> blame people and, and all of the other things that we, that we do to blow off the, the frustration and the froth of our distress. I'm talking about exploring, researching, discussing, considering in, a, in, a, in an adult fashion that enables us to find our own truths and enables us to make our own choices. 
So if you're a leader listening to this, I, I'm sure you will, you've done this. This is what you've been doing. And quite right too. Because you wouldn't have got to where you are today if you weren't someone who could think for themselves and who could do their own research and who could, you know, actually come to conclusions and follow them that you believe in and you feel are right. So I'm not really preaching to you. I'm not preaching to anybody. But what I am doing here is highlighting something which I think is terribly important for us to keep in mind as we step into this new year of 2022. Because no matter how much equanimity you or I might have in relationship to our own autonomy and our ability to make choices and our ability to show up and contribute and and serve in whatever way we do that, we are all dealing with and interfacing with other people who may or may not have that same level of free, autonomous equanimity in relation to the situation. And I think we all know this situation is not going to be over any time soon. The original 15 days to flatten the curve was never going to happen. It, it was always going to extend. And we could. this could be going on for another three years, maybe longer. So what that means is as responsible leaders, it's vital that we remain aware of the fact that our people do need that space to talk about it. It doesn't mean you have to be there. It just means that we need to recognize that need that people have to have their own experience, talk about their own experience and find their own truths and their own balance, and their own equanimity. Because otherwise, at best, you have a population of mind slaves and that's no good. That's not creative. That's not uh, sustainable and successful long term. And it's also not humane. So yes, I think we do need to talk about it. Research and inquiry helps. Human connection and discussion are also needed. And for our flourishing, individual and collective, we must question and critically examine our assumptions, our beliefs and our reactions. And in fact, you might find it of value to look at your own position around this and what you're doing around this and just check, do you have any unexamined assumptions? And if so, maybe examine them and just check them. You may well confirm them or you might find that you open a window to a slightly wider point of view. Because when we question we may agree, we may disagree, but we are then free. And it's when we're free that our spirit is free. And that's when we have something to give. And that's when life is worthwhile. So thank you for listening. I applaud your free thinking and your free expression and your support of others to do the very same thing. I look forward to seeing you next week. You've been listening to Truth and Transcendence, the regular weekly podcast from Yes, You Now with Catherine Llewellyn. For more information, head to yesyounow.today forward slash podcast.